Thank you, Brother Austin, for doing a wonderful job leading us in our singing this morning. Thank you, Brother Elliot, for doing a wonderful job on leading the table. And thank all of you for being here this morning to worship our great God. If you have your Bible with you, will you please take out your Bible and go over into one of the Gospels, to the Gospel of John. Please go in your Bible to John, the 17th chapter. And I would like to read a couple of verses to kind of just set up everything that we want to talk about this morning in our study from God's Word. In John 17, and in verse number 20, after saying a prayer for his apostles and their work as his ambassadors, Jesus said these words, John 17 and verse 20, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Brothers and sisters, as we begin our, our study this morning from God's word, I want to begin by asking you to please carefully consider the words of Jesus in these verses. Please carefully consider the words of our Lord in this prayer. Please carefully notice how the words of Jesus in these verses or in this prayer are being fulfilled on this very day and at this very moment. I mean, don't you see it? Don't you see how on this very day and at this very moment, we have come together as a great spiritual family? We have come together as brothers and sisters in Christ to worship our Heavenly Father, we have, have done that some kind of way despite all the division that exists in our society right now. Despite all of the chaos and the violence and the hostility and even all the hatred that may exist among a lot of people in our country right now at this moment in our lives, and hopefully at every moment in our lives, as disciples in this little spot in the world, we are one. We are one, as Jesus speaks of in these verses. You see, when Jesus speaks of his people being one here, we need to understand that he's using the word one to talk about unity. He's using the word one to talk about agreement and peace. He is he is saying that that as his people, as disciples, he wants us to be a family. He wants us to to be united. He wants us to be in harmony together as we labor in his kingdom. That is what the Lord Jesus Christ is, is praying for here in John chapter 17. And, and praise the Lord, thank the almighty God that, that we have that in this place. 
We have oneness in this place. In fact, I want to suggest that that the oneness we share here in this place is really remarkable when you stop and consider just how different we are. I mean, I mean, think about it. Think about all the differences we have in this room right now. Think about how. In this room right now, among the 150 people, maybe even more, among the, the number of people here, we're, we're all walking in so many different aspects of life. I mean, in this room right now, we have males and we have females. We have some people who have been Christians for a, a long period of time and in some cases several decades and others who've only been just recently converted. We have people in this room who are married and, and some who are who are single. We have people in this room who've come from very wealthy and, and rich economic backgrounds and others who who have grown up poor. We have people in this room who are white. And some who are black or Indian or Hispanic or come from some other ethnic background. We have people in this room who who are engineers. Or they work with computers or they're educators, they're they're teachers or they're medical professionals or they're firefighters or or pilots or maybe they served our country in the military or maybe they're even retired and, and they're no longer in the workforce. We have some people in this room who identify as Republicans and some as Democrats or independents and some who could care less about politics. I know for a fact that we have some people in this room who like to go hiking or camping or, 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 or fishing and, and, and being outdoors a lot. And you got other people like me who don't want to be outside past five minutes. We got some people in this room who love to get on social media a lot, don't they? They like to get on Twitter or Instagram a lot. They like to get on Facebook 10,000 times a day and tell you everything they're doing, take pictures of every moment of their day. And then you got other people who think any kind of social media is a complete waste of time. <laughs> That's the only time he's ever amen me. <laughs> we got some people here who were born and raised right here in the wonderful state of Arizona. <laughs> and others like myself who were raised in Texas, or Florida, or California, Montana, some parts of the East Coast, some parts of the Midwest, maybe even some other countries in this world. We have some people in this room who are very outspoken. They're very opinionated. They like to talk a lot. They can literally hold a conversation with a with a block of wood. And then you, you got some other people who who don't like to talk as much. They're very reserved. They're very quiet. They don't like to share their opinions that much. There's so many examples I could give you this morning when it comes to this. But but here's the point, brothers and sisters. The point is, when you stop and think about our situation right now, we're all very different. We're all different in, in just so many different ways, and yet some kind of way, we're all united. 
We're all one. We've all spent the last 40 minutes or so singing spiritual songs and and reading scripture and and praying together and, and even sharing our money together. I mean, despite all of the differences we we have in this room right now and despite how divided our our culture is right now, we are one. And my question is this. My question is, how in the world did that happen? How in the world is is it possible that we are one in a in a world so divided? I mean, how in the world is such a diverse group of people like us? find ourselves in a position where we're actually fulfilling the words of Jesus in this prayer. How are we one in a world that is clearly so divided? Well, I want to suggest to you this morning that there are at least three reasons why we are one. There are at least three reasons why we're able to fulfill the words of Jesus even though our society is becoming more and more divided. And here's the first reason right here. The first reason why we are one is because we share core beliefs. Specifically, we share core spiritual beliefs. Will you go in your Bible to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, please? I want to show you something in Ephesians chapter four, please. Ephesians chapter four. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says, beginning with verse one. Ephesians chapter four, verse one, Paul says, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Verse four, there is one body. And one spirit, just as you were also called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. There are a couple of very important observations that I would like for us to make from this text, brothers and sisters. First, I want you to notice how, according to the Apostle Paul, the oneness or the unity we have as a body of believers here in this place, it's not easy to maintain. Do you see that? It's, it's not easy to, to keep, you see, because a congregation is typically made up of people who are so different from one another. According to the Apostle Paul, if that group is going to main, maintain unity, then they're going to have to work, work at it. They're going to have to work hard at it. They're going to have to be diligent to do the things that the Holy Spirit says they must do to to preserve it. Specifically, Paul says that if if, that if a group of believers is going to keep unity, they're, they're going to have to be humble. They're going to have to be humble and and gentle and and patient towards one another. They're going to have to seek to to understand one another. They're going to have to seek to tolerate the personal and and cultural differences that they may have. They're also going to have to make sure that they're united when it comes to core beliefs of the gospel. 
core beliefs of the gospel. Someone says, Sean, what are, what are core beliefs of the gospel? Well, my friend, I want to suggest that, that the core beliefs of the gospel are clearly outlined for us in verses 4 through 6 of this chapter. Do you see it? Going back to verses 4 through 6 of this chapter, notice how Paul says that if we're going to maintain unity, if we're going to be one as a body of believers, then it starts with us believing together that there's only one body. One body. You see, when Paul uses that language, one body, he, he is referring to the one spiritual body of Christ. He, he is referring to those who have believed in the name of Jesus Christ and they've had their sins washed away by his blood. He is referring to the one church that Jesus purchased with his blood when he died at Calvary. In Ephesians chapter 1, listen to what Paul says in verse number 22. Ephesians 1 and verse 22, Paul says, And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him. The him there is a reference to Jesus. And he gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his what? Which is his body. The church is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Notice how one of the key things that makes us one as a family is we believe what Paul is saying in those verses. We believe that there's only one spiritual body. We believe that the scriptures do not promote denominationalism. The scriptures do not promote the idea that one church is just as good as another church. The scriptures do not promote the idea that, that God approves of, of churches that have been established by the traditions and teachings of men. Paul says there's only one spiritual body, and it's the body or the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. But not only is there one body, a second thing Paul says is there's also one spirit. One spirit, when Paul mentions the spirit here, we need to understand that he's referring to the Holy Spirit. He, he's referring to the spirit of God. He's referring to the one who has both revealed and confirmed the scriptures. He is referring to the spirit of truth. As Jesus refers to him as in John 16 and verse number 13, Paul says there's only one body. And there's also only one spirit. And then thoroughly, he also says, there's also only one hope. One hope, that is, there's also only one place that we all hope to be in when this life is over, right? There's also only one final resting place that we all hope to be in, and that is heaven. That is in the everlasting paradise with God. There is one body and one spirit and one hope, and there's also only one Lord. There's also only one Jesus. There's also only one king and universal ruler over all things. There's also only one savior and redeemer for all mankind. There's also only one member of the Godhead who left the glories of heaven, came into this world as a man, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, but was raised three days later. There is one body and there is one spirit and one hope and one Lord. And there's also only one faith. One faith, that is, there's also only one source 
of faith that pleases God, and that is the gospel. There's only one gospel. There's only one message that has been approved by God himself. There's only one message that has been delivered once and for all to the saints. There's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. There's one baptism. That is, there's only one baptism that God has authorized to be administered to bring people into the one spiritual body. And that one baptism that Paul is referring to, it's not the baptism of fire. It's not the baptism of John, the prophet. It's not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Instead, it is the baptism that Jesus speaks of in Matthew 28 and verse 19. Instead, it is the baptism that Jesus says is to be administered by us disciples until the end of the world. It is the baptism that Peter speaks of in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Baptism for remission of sins. Baptism that saves according to what Peter also says in 1 Peter 3 and verse 21. You see, there are a lot of different baptisms that are mentioned in the scriptures, but the one baptism Paul is talking about here is the baptism that we have all experienced if we're Christians. It is the baptism in water for remission of sins. It is the baptism that brings us into the church or the spiritual body of our Lord. There is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And then Paul concludes by saying there's only one God. There's only one heavenly father. There's only one creator and only one that Jesus sits at the right hand of. Brothers and sisters, look at this list very carefully. These are the seven ones of Ephesians chapter four. These are the seven key foundation stones of our faith. These are the seven things that we all believe in, despite our political, economic, racial, and ethnic differences. Let me tell you something. We may have a lot of trivial differences among us this morning. We may have economic differences, educational differences, cultural differences, even racial differences. We may not agree on every single thing in life, but according to what Paul says, that's okay. That's okay if we have cultural and racial and economic and political differences. None of those things make us one. Instead, what makes us one is if we believe these things right here. If we believe there's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, these are the foundation stones of Christianity. And when we believe those things, guess what? We become one. We're one because we share core beliefs. But not only do we share core beliefs, a second thing that makes us one is we also share a common love. A common love. Don't you agree that the world needs more love today. It needs more love. 
And we have a common love. And when I say a common love, what I mean is as Christians, we all love the same things. Despite whatever differences we have among us this morning, we all love God. We all love Jesus Christ. We all love the word of God and our fellow man. And and we also all love each other. I'm going in my Bible to what Jesus said in in John chapter 13. Listen to the words of Jesus in John 13 and verse 34. John 13 and verse 34. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, but not just love one another. Notice he says, love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Notice how here Jesus commands me. He commands Sean Jeffries to love you. He commands me to love my brothers and my sisters in Christ, and he gives you the same commandment. In fact, Jesus says that the love we demonstrate towards one another at all times is absolutely critical in demonstrating to the world that we are really his people. I think that's something we always got to be mindful of, especially when we're interacting with each other on social media, right? We got to always remember that how we treat one another, the kind of love we show one another. And it's critical to showing those on the outside that we are followers of Jesus. In fact, go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, because there in those verses, the Apostle Paul spells out exactly how our love for each other should look. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse number 4. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind and it's not jealous. Love does not brag and it's not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoke. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Verse 8, Paul says love is something that never fails. Notice carefully the kind of love God says we ought to have towards each other. Do do you see it? Notice how the kind of love we, we have to have towards one another is a love That requires more than just nice, warm, fuzzy feelings. It is a love that requires us doing more than just verbalizing our love for each other. Instead, it is a love that that also requires action. It is a love that requires goodwill. It is a love that requires us constantly seeking after one another's best interests. It is a love that requires that we're patient with each other. We have to patiently help each other grow. It is a love that requires that we're not quick to give up on each other. And we're not quick to get angry with each other and irritated with each other. And we're not quick to pick fights with each other and be be bitter and, and resentful towards one another. It is a love that is kind. It is a love that is compassionate. It is a love that, that, that is not jealous. You see, if I really love you, then guess what? Whenever you succeed and do well in your life, I'm not going to be jealous of you. 
I'm not going to be bitter towards you. I'm not going to be envious of you. Instead, I'm going to be happy for you. I'm going to be happy because I love you. You're, you're my brother or, or my sister in Christ. I want you to do well in your life. Paul says that biblical love is, is a love that's not jealous. It's a love that leads us to not being puffed up with pride towards one another. It's a love that leads us to not being selfish and, and always trying to get our way with each other. It's a love that leads us to not holding past grudges and, and offenses against each other. It's a love that leads us to not always being so suspicious of each other. It's a love that leads us to not holding the sins of other people against one another. It is a love that leads us to not being quick to assume the worst in one another's words and actions. It is a love that leads us to not treating one another harshly. Because we may have different backgrounds or statuses or culture or even different color of skin. You see, if I'm really trying to please the Lord, and I'm looking at Sean Jeffries first. If I'm really trying to please God, then no matter what, no matter how different we may be as far as culture goes, I'm always going to love you. I'm always going to try to love you like God commands me to love you. I'm always going to try to obey what Jesus says because, my dear friends, our love we have in this place, that is part of the spiritual glue that makes us one. I got to tell you something. Over the past 10 to 15 years, I've seen some very ugly things. I've seen so many churches around this country be completely torn apart and destroyed because, unfortunately, the brethren who make up those churches, they don't do what Paul talks about in the scriptures. Oh, oh, oh they may read the scripture. They may even believe the scripture, but they don't do what the scripture says. They don't love each other. Instead of loving one another, do you know what so many brethren and, and local churches do and that they're even doing on this very day, they, they devour one another. They consume one another. They major in very minor issues and they just fuss and fight all the time. Unfortunately, so many churches across this country, the brethren who make up those churches, they treat each other in some of the ugliest and cruelest ways, but let us always strive to keep, and I want to emphasize the word keep, let us always strive to keep being different here. Let's always strive to keep our love that we have here at a very high level because the Bible says that our love for each other, that's one of the main things that makes us one. We're one at Monta Vista. And we're one because we share core beliefs. And we also share a common love. But then third and finally, I want to leave you with this. We're also one here in this place because we share a common hope. A common hope. Now, if you remember, I 
mention this point in passing when talking about the seven ones of Ephesians 4. I talked with you about the one hope, but if you don't mind, I want to just elaborate on this point a little further because the Bible says it is just so important to maintaining the kind of unity that pleases God. And so think back to Ephesians 4 and verse 4. Think about how Paul says there that as Christians, we've been called into one hope. One hope. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4 that our one hope is a living hope. It is a living hope made possible because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then in verse number five of that same chapter, he says that our one hope is the hope of obtaining an inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away reserved in heaven. You see, despite all the differences we may have among us this morning, one of the main things we all have in common, one of the main things we all share and makes us one is we're all marching to the same place, right? We all have the same goal. We all want the same thing. We all want to obtain the same prize. And you know what that prize is? It's a home in heaven with God. That's what we all want. That's why we're here this morning. And we never need to lose sight of that. Whenever we may have some petty fusses that, that pop up among us from time to time. Whenever we don't see eye to eye on, on certain issues, whenever we get on each other's nerves from time to time, and you know that happens in every family. Whenever that kind of stuff starts to happen, and it ha does happen and it will happen. We need to always remember that at the end of the day, we're all part of the same family and we're all trying to get to the same place. We're all trying to get to heaven. We all want to be in heaven. We all want heaven to be our final resting place. That's one of the most important beliefs we share, brothers and sisters. And in a world that's just so ugly and divided right now, I want that to encourage you. Will you let that encourage you? Will you let that lift your spirits? Will you let that make you thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ that makes us one? Let me tell you something, in a world that is full of sin, and a world that is full of pain, and ugliness, and disease, and suffering, and racism, and division, and unbelief, and blasphemy against the name of Jesus Christ, and a world where there's just so much lawlessness, I'm so thankful that when I come into this place, I'm around a bunch of people who love God and they love the Bible and they want to go to heaven just like I love God and I love the Bible and I want to go to heaven. I'm so thankful that when I loaded my family up in the van this morning, we drove about 35 miles to get here. I knew that when I walked through those doors, I was going to be around a bunch of people who, who were going to be spiritually minded. And they were going to be here to worship God 
and they weren't going to care about color of skin and and all this ugliness going on in the world. They were just going to want to worship God and serve Jesus. And they're focused on going to heaven. They know their citizenship is in heaven and that's where they want to be. They know this world is not our true home. I'm so thankful to be part of a family like that. I'm so thankful that we share core beliefs and a common love and a common hope. My dear friends, these are the things that make us one. These are the things that make us a family. And again, I'm so thankful for the family. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful and blessed and feel honored to have been part of this family for the last year. And I just want you to be thinking about the verses that were read for us in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 26, where the Apostle Paul said these words. He says, For you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who have been baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free man. There's neither male nor female. For you are all, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we bow our heads in thanksgiving, thanking you, Father, for another day on this good earth. Thanking you, Father, for this time that we've had for the last hour to worship you and to praise your glorious name. Father, we give you the glory for everything that happens in this place. Every good thing that happens, we give you the honor and glory. Father, we're living in dark times. We're living in ugly times. We're living in times, Father, where so many people have just no regard for your word and your truth. And Father, we pray that you will bless us and our little spot in this part of the country to be a beacon of light. Bless us to continue to be united, to continue to have core beliefs and a common love and a common hope. Father, use us. Use us, Father, to do as much good as we can and to help as many people as we can see the love of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the equality we have in Jesus. Bless us, Father. Be with us. Help us be people of peace and love and to promote that throughout our culture. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning we have spent time talking about the spiritual family and the importance of the family. And I just want to close by asking you, are you part of this family? Are you part of the Lord's family? Are you part of the church that belongs to Jesus Christ? If not, then today you have an opportunity to be part of the Lord's family. The Lord wants all people to be part of his family, but they must come to him on his terms. They must believe in his son, repent of sin, and take part in the one baptism, the baptism in water for remission of sins. My friend, if you are on the outside looking in, if you will do those things this morning, you can be in. You can be in God's family. You can be a brother or sister with us. 
And so if we can help you with that in any way at all, we're going to invite you to come to the front right now. Please come. Let's stand. Let's sing.